The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to Equal Play. We took a little hiatus for the holidays and now we're back. We're back and better than ever. A lot of exciting episodes are coming your way in the next few weeks. So if you haven't already, make sure you like and subscribe to Equal Play wherever you get your podcasts at. This week, I chopped it up with Colette V. Smith about her experience playing pro football for the first time at 42 years old. Yes, you heard me correctly. She was 42 when she got her first opportunity to play professional football. She also made history as the first black woman to coach on an NFL sideline when she was hired as a coaching intern with the New York Jets in 2017. That conversation is coming up, but as you all know, or if you need reminding, first we need to get through some hot headlines. Up first, the NWSL draft is next week and there are a lot of questions surrounding this year's draft class. The league announced that all seniors will be eligible to be selected next week, whether they register or not. This news follows the news that the NCAA will be allowing players with remaining eligibility to return for their spring seasons if they choose to and join the NWSL team that drafts them following the completion of that spring season. This has created a lot of confusion for players and coaches. And I spoke to Amanda Cromwell, the head coach at UCLA this week, and she expressed uncertainty about the upcoming draft and just how her coaching staff is to best advise their student athletes on what the best decision is for them. As of now, she said her senior class will return to play in the spring season. You can read more about the upcoming draft and how it affects this draft class at thesuntimes.com slash soccer. Up next, as you all know, the Bears have a playoff game this Sunday, which sounds pretty unbelievable after the season they had. But nevertheless, it's true. They are 10-point underdogs to the Saints, and if they win, they travel to Green Bay to play the Packers. Mitch Trubisky told the media this week, quote, We've got nothing to lose. We know everybody is overlooking us. They have the back half of the season. I think we've been... Playing with that edge, that chip on our shoulder, we don't have anything to lose. Yes, he said that twice, so he's obviously bringing that point home that there's nothing to lose. You can read more about Sunday's matchup at thesuntimes.com slash bears. Lastly, the Chicago Fire announced plans to unveil a new logo for the 2022 season. The current badge was received very poorly by fans, if you all remember, when it was released in November of 2019. It will be on the fire jerseys during the 2021 season before it's retired. 
The new logo will be a collaboration between soccer designer Matthew Wolf, brand design and consulting firm Studio Slash Lab, and sports marketing agency Revolution. Kyle Sheldon, the Fire's senior vice president of marketing, will lead the project. You can read more about the Chicago Fire and this story specifically at thesuntimes.com slash soccer. All right. Now the conversation you all tuned in for. Here is my interview with Colette V. Smith. I am so thrilled to welcome in Colette B. Smith, the first black woman to coach in the NFL. Colette, thank you so much for joining us on on this episode of Equal Play. Of course, Equal Play. You got me at Equal Play, Annie. (laughs) Equal Play. Um, First things first, let's start from the very beginning. What was your first experience playing football? First experience playing football was um, being not allowed to play with the boys and then fighting to play. Mm -hmm. Like, so, but it was good. It was like, you can't tell me I can't play. Let's go. And so playing with the boys in the street, I guess that was a good thing. I, I didn't care who was playing football, but for me, it was, uh, that was my first experience with the guys in the street as a little girl. I can remember growing up and just not even thinking football was an option. I just, I literally didn't even think, Hey mom, I want to play football. It never crossed my mind. So for you, did you from day one think and aspire to play in this game? When did it, when did you first see the game and, and have this dream of playing football? That's a good question because for me, it was just a sport in a game that kids played. Mm-hmm. So there was nothing more to it than that. There was no extra thought. There was nothing. Just imagine a little girl, a little child, just liking the sport, you know, liking this game and wanting to play it. That was all it was until uh, when my brother got to play organized football, you know, with a, with a team called the Long Island Tomahawks. I'll never forget them. Um, they wore red and white. And I want to pl- be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. And so for me, once again, it was just naive and just, you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't naive. It was just, I'm a person. This is a sport. Kids play it. I want to play too. There was right. nothing more to it than that. Nothing to do with gender for me. So to, to be told you can't play it on this level as a pop one organized team, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I was, I was definitely very confused, mm-hmm. definitely confused. Um, so there was no aspirations to really to go take this anywhere, except that I just want to be included. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, I think that's such a important point you make, because as kids, kids have this this, you know, youthful ignorance. You don't realize things are prohibited to you. You don't realize the the systems in place to hold you back. Mm -hmm. If you're a woman, if you're a black woman, if Mm -hmm. you're a minority period. And so that's beautiful that you, your youthful ignorance allowed you to see it that way of, of like, there's nothing that why, why shouldn't I be allowed to play this sport? And we're, we're seeing that change a lot. Now the opportunities being awarded or offered to young girls And I wonder what you think 
it would have, how it would have impacted your life had football been an organized sport for young girls when you were growing up? Oh, wow. I mean, it, it, it definitely, I get emotional about this because it definitely would have changed my life. Um, team sport, you know, on an organized level would have done so much for impacting my life positively. Um, and then let me rewind here. No one gets to award me to play or not. Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? So let's just start there. Um, how dare you? I'm, you know what? There's a, there's a woman. I'm just going to, I have to make this quote. Yeah. Her name is Elizabeth Peretrosh. Trovich. I don't know who the heck she is, but I love what she said. She says, asking you to give me equal rights implies that they are yours to give. Instead, I must demand that you stop trying to deny me the rights all people deserve. Right? So no one's going to award me shit. <laughs> right? Um, equal. We're equal. And that is it. So I, I just, I know what football did to me or for me as a grown woman playing football. Uh, when I, I started playing pro football at the age of 42 years old. Mm -hmm. And what that did for my life was just so amazing. I was, I was, I felt more confident. I felt more love and, and, and just, I can't even explain it. This is just so much positivity. I asserted myself more. Uh, there was a sisterhood of warriors. That's the way I saw it. Yeah. We kick ass on the football field. That's right. But it was a deeper level of warriorism, you know, mm -hmm. like in my workspace, at, at my job, in the board meeting room, I wasn't so quiet about things that I might have been, well, you know, let me not say anything. I'm kind of lucky to be in the room. I'm the woman here. I'm the black woman here. That turned into me walking into those conference rooms, those boardrooms, my back straight, my head up. And if I had something to ask or say, I was just going to say it like John or Billy or Tyrone or Elliot or whoever the heck they are. You bring up a huge turning point in your life, which happened when you were 42. And we need to let the listeners know you didn't start playing professional football until you were 42 years old or organized football until you were yeah. 42 years old. Yeah. And the way that came to be is you stumbled upon a <laughs> invite online. So yeah. I wonder if you could elaborate on how this opportunity presented itself and, <laughs> you know, the, the life-changing transition that happened after, you know, you, you started playing for this team. Um, that's, a, that's always a fun story to tell. Um, I, I did real estate new development real estate in, uh, for new, in, in New York City. Uh -huh. I made a lot of money. Things were great. Then the market crashes. And I'm used to being a busy person. I was working seven days a week uh, all the time. I couldn't sit. I can't. I still can't sit still. Mm -hmm. And so the market crashed. I wasn't doing much work. I was at home, literally smoking a cigarette, drinking a 40 ounce. <laughs> Yes, to the 40. 40 ounce. And it was a Colt 45. And I'm puffing on my cigarettes, drinking my, my cold beer. There was no work to be done in real estate because the market had just kind of crashed. So I'm just futzing around on the computer, not looking for anything in particular 
and I just happened to come across women's pro football team tryouts. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, did I drink too much of this 40 ounce? Because surely women are not allowed to play football. So there is no pro football league for women. And I'm still puffing on my cigarette, man. And I'm like looking at it again, but I couldn't turn away because I had, let's say, drank the tea for so many years. It was like, women are not allowed to play football. So I, I don't want to say I believed it, but it was just something that didn't exist. Move on. And I couldn't move on from this. I was like, wait a minute. So they said it was the last team tryouts. So I, um, and you had to wear uh, some kind of athletic attire. Uh, they said, we prefer if you had cleats and football clubs and athletic attire. And I'm thinking, I don't have any athletic attire. Like, what, what would I have cleats for? Because the only sport I love is football and I was never allowed to play it on, a, on an organized level. So why would I do that? Then I was like, you know, you're not gonna go buy cleats, Colette, because you're not gonna make the team. You're 42, you're smoking a cigarette and you're drinking a 40 ounce beer. <laughs> So you're not going to make the team. But I owed it to myself to go see these other women there. Mm-hmm. Right? I said, I'm going to participate. This will be, be great for me to see. And so I drove out to Brooklyn, New York, where the tryouts were. And as I drove up and I saw these women on the football field, which I couldn't tell they were women because they were fully equipped, you know, Helmet, shoulder pads, everything. They were totally covered. Not this lingerie crap that sexually objectifies women, like real football. And their coaches yelling at the girls, and they're on this. They're yelling down, set, hut. And I'm like, whoa, man! I swear, I felt empowered that very moment. Mm-hmm. And I went from saying, "You're probably not going to make the team." to you are making this team today, Colette. Mm -hmm. So you went from, like you just mentioned, thinking I'm probably not going to make this team to making the team. And how long did you play for? I played for three years. Okay. So you understand that when I was there at 42, there was one other woman that was older than me. She She was an offensive lineman. So, which is kind of, we call that more of a sedentary position in football. Mm-hmm. She has, doesn't have to be all over the field, like a DB or a receiver or a linebacker. Uh, so, these women were half my age. And and I, I played for three years. My body was a wreck, I got to tell you. So, I was waking up after a football practice, man. And I would step out of bed like anybody else would. And then when my feet hit the floor... And I went to stand up. I was like, whoa, what's happening? I mean, everything hurt. Right. And I didn't have recuperation time because we had practice Tuesday evenings, Thursday evenings, Saturday mornings. By the time my body felt a little bit okay, it was time to go jack it up again at the next practice. But right. I played for three years. Uh, the first season, I didn't get much playing time. I was injured. I, have, I had lower disc bulges in my back prior to this. But mm. that was from an accident I had years ago. So I thought I was fine, but my body was like, alert, alert. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like my body is now. I swear I turned 30 and like now all of a sudden my back won't let up. And every time <laughs> I go to the gym, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, need to roll it out. So I feel you. <laughs> but 
you know, a lot of women's leagues or all women's leagues have a huge struggle with uh, equity and the payment of players. And Mm -hmm. for women in football, being paid was pretty much non-existent from the perspective of most of the women I spoke to and have spoken to. So what was your experience like in terms of being paid for playing? Were you paid for playing or was it I'm paying to play? Yeah, there was no money. The only money involved with me in football was me giving it out, mm-hmm. fishing out the money. So um, how so, much did it cost you to play those three years? Wow. So the first year, it was more. It was the most expensive because I had to buy my helmet. Show, I had to buy all the equipment. You even had to buy your own jerseys. So we had to buy our own away and home jerseys and our own team's you know, uh, pant, football pants. So I had to buy all this equipment, like real cleats and real helmet. And, you know, I spent, I spent probably about $2,000 per year to play. And then moving forward um, every year about, well, just for player fees, about $1,000. I think on the low end, we were, we only had to pay $750 one year on the low end because they worked out a deal with the league or something. I don't even know, but um, wow. I spent about, I'd say about $5,000 plus uh, to, to, to play football. Now you got to also remember gas, right? Like, and some of our practices were really far away, but then also when we had scrimmages, our scrimmages were usually in Maryland for some reason. We do a three to five team scrimmage free season. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of called, that was our preseason actually. It was, our preseason games were scrimmages against other teams. And um, yeah, traveling there, gas, tolls. I mean, it, it was tough. And then uh, imagine all of that. Imagine all of that. And then still having to get up in the morning and go to work. Yeah. Right. 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 It was You're still getting, for, yeah. In, in the morning, you're going to, you're getting dressed in a business suit, high heels. And then you're going to football practice at night. Your body is a wreck. You're getting up in the morning the next day after practice, doing it again. I mean, if God for I don't have any children. Thank God. If I had kids, I they'd be icing me down. You know, like right. Can't imagine the the amount of money you all invested into your love of the game of football speaks to exactly that. Your love of the game of football and being surrounded by women who had this same passion for the game as you did. What did you learn from some of your teammates along the way? What I learned from my teammates is, you know what? Simply humanity, just, just sheer humanity. I learned that these girls, these younger girls, were going to do whatever it is they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. They were just unstoppable. I, I learned, uh, you know, like, so, it was, it's interesting that these girls younger than I were like mentors to me and I'm much older than them when it came to football season, mm-hmm. you know, here's what you do, Colette. Here's what you should be eating. Here's this, you know, take these tips and, 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 and work out like this. And, and, and I saved my money in this jar for this. I mean, it was, what is going on here? It was, it was a whole other world, but this is something that, you know, men don't have to worry about. Men don't worry about this. I mean, outside of them getting a football scholarship, if they're lucky, if they're that good, mm. if they're that good, they get a scholarship. 
And then they get into the NFL, most, some of them. We don't have options like that, right? But, you know, uh, it, 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 it really showed your strength. I think it really showed fortitude um, and my, my inner strength. If I thought I was weak, the stuff that we women went through to play football, I wish that a man would dare me for strength when it comes to that. You also brought up the NFL, which is a great transition into this hugely historic moment in your life and in the NFL in that you became the first black woman to coach in the NFL when the Jets hired you. Can you elaborate on how that came to fruition and happened? Um, Another interesting story. Um, So I was promoted, if you want to call it promoted, so doing the marketing PR events uh, for the for my for my New York women's pro team. Mm-hmm. There's no paycheck involved. I mean, if you want to call getting paid three hundred dollars for a whole season of working doing the marketing and PR promotions and events, and okay, there you go. But um, once I got, I was I loved my team so much. I loved them so much, and what they could do for me, and what they have done for me, and the sisterhood that. I, when I got that, that title, I'm like, okay, well, I'm using this title. I'm going to, I'm going to fight for us. I'm going to have us be everywhere. So I started contacting uh, news reporters, and sports reporters. And, and then of course the Jets, the Jets were my favorite team growing up as a kid. So I was trying to get, I was strategically aligning myself with the Jets, my team, my women's pro team. So I would say, Hey guys, mind you, I'm calling the Jets headquarters on a regular basis. Someone's going to answer this phone. Someone's going to get tired of me calling them and just call me back to get rid of me. So I said, listen, we're the New York Sharks women's pro football team. We are the sisters of the New York Jets. Um, And I go into my spiel with them, tell them that we had to pay to play. uh, And I eventually spoke to a guy who was the VP of, I think, operations at that time mm. for the New York Jets. And he, uh, he said he'd love to help out me and my team. I, I mean, it was just a great day. Coach Bowles introduced me to the guys, and he goes, this is Coach Collette. She's going to be hanging around sometimes, you know, make her feel welcome, blah, blah, blah. And there you go. And uh, at the end of practice, Coach Bowles and I spoke a little bit more. We talked some more shop. Uh, I, can't, I have kind of a big mouth, if you can't already tell. And so I use it sometimes and, uh, you know, I want to make some adjustments with some of the plays and the drills and with the, with the players and, um, told them what I think. I mean, it was, you know what? It was football. We talked shop, right? We talked shop. There you go. How did that practice turn into them offering you a a spot as a preseason intern? So at the end, so that was just me going there at a practice, uh-huh. met everybody. And at the end of practice, when Coach Bowles and I talked more shop, he said, you know, you're welcome to come back whenever you want. And I said, oh, great. I, I'd love to do that. Thank you so much. And then he went to walk away and he said, you know, you should work for this organization. You should bring a resume next time you come back. Mm-hmm. Just why not? Let me just, he said to me, I have no idea what for. I don't know what's going on now, but, you know, he just saw my enthusiasm, whatever I knew, I knew, and it kind of sparked something. So then I started going back every week. I would just go back every week to the point where I was a fixture there. Hey, guys, what's going on? You know, 
And uh, eventually I would ask Coach Bowles, I said, hey, I gave you my resume like, you know, a while ago. What's up with that? Like, what do you, what, what? Um, I had some other NFL players that would call me and say, Colette, I heard about this new position and they have to pick or they're going to pick more women. And I said, well, really? So I'm telling Coach Bowles about this position. I forgot what that position was right now. I really don't remember. But um, Coach Bowles said, Colette, just hang out, hang out, keep coming around. You know, um, I'll let you know what we come up with. And uh, eventually Coach Bowles called me and um, he said, Colette, I'm going to give you a call in about a week. Mm -hmm. And he goes, just to let you know, just so that you're not in the dark, I'm going to call you in about a week and uh, we'll talk about some things then. And I said, okay, coach, still have no idea what's going on. You know, besides I was just a fixture there at once, at least once a week with the New York Jets at practices. And then he called me again and he said, okay. He said, Colette, what are you doing this summer? And I, my answer was anything the New York Jets need. <laughs> and his response was great because I'd love it if you were one of my coaches. So I have three takeaways from this that to me stood out that I feel like are great lessons for anyone with big dreams in any dis- industry. And that was you know, strike while the iron's hot. When you're in a room and you see an opportunity to speak to someone, speak to them, do your research so that when the opportunity to make a connection, a true connection happens, you have the information in your head. Prepared. Yeah. Prepared. Exactly. And lastly, take people up on their offer. If someone's presenting an opportunity to reach out, to, in this case, you know, come out to another practice. Don't question that. Jump on it. Jump on it. So I wonder for you, you know, what gave you the confidence to, in that situation, you know, follow those three guidelines and turn nothing into something? Yeah. um, I have to give credit to my women's pro football team you know, for having, for having that team exist for me to be a part of, for me to be a player in, I started imagining things that I never did before. You know, it was, it was like I opened up a box and butterflies were coming out. You know, when I was always told, you can't go in that box. That box is not for you. Only the boys are allowed with that box. And one day I dared to open the box any damn way. When I opened that box, all of this courage and strength and self-love and hope came out of that box. And um, that I'm forever grateful for. You know, I learned so many lessons. I, I like to say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Right? Um, make tomorrow better today. So I'm preparing for a success tomorrow by doing things, taking action today. Right? Mm-hmm. So... I, I, I just, I found self-confidence, you know, and, and women are stronger than people think, you know, I, I think even more than I believed. I, I guess I never really thought I was a strong person, even though people around me would say, oh, Colette, she's tough. She's so strong. 
I never believed it. And you also find strength in action. Once you take a step for yourself, once you choose yourself, once you do something to better yourself, you, your body just is ignited by the, the strength that you're all of a sudden aware of that exists in you. So I will say that as well is once you make the decision to, in your case, you know, speak to the GM, put yourself in a position to say yes to the opportunity presented to you. You're all of a sudden very aware of what you're capable of. And, you know, it, it's a ripple effect. Then before you know it, you're going after X, Y, and Z that you maybe never imagined was possible. Never so, imagined possible. Imagine. Transitioning, yeah. transitioning here, you are a pioneer in this game. And right now we are seeing another movement take place and that young women are slowly but surely being uh, presented opportunities to play organized football. Yes. We still have a long way to go, but there are slowly more opportunities popping up around the country to play organized football at a young age. So my question to you is one, how do we excel this process? How do we speed it up? And also two, what's the answer for women? Or should they be aspiring to play in the NFL or should we be aspiring to have our own leagues? Yeah. Um, so there, I, I can tell you that the organizations that I'm aware of for women in football, um, there's, there's only one right now that is actually paying or going to pay their players I think that we all, all the other leagues aspire to do that, but just haven't got the income to do it as of yet. It just didn't happen for them, but I think they want it. I know they want it. The, there's a league called the WFLA, the Women's Football League Association, and I'm proud to be a part of them. We're working on um, officially, something official, but outside of that, leagues. There's pretty much a women's organization a women's team in every state. I can guarantee you that right now in every single state, there is a team for women to play football. Start looking it up. I would urge you to go on, just look up women's pro football, look up the WFLA, look it up. The WFLA, by the way, is starting um, a few things right now with uh, WFLA Junior League, so girls can play. I'm pumped about that. Um, listen, if, if I would have known about football at a younger age, my life would have been positively impacted in so many ways. Great. Today, that opportunity exists for little girls. I think girls should still be allowed to play with boys on a children level. I even think up through college, I'm cool with that for sure. It's not the Colette show here, though. You know, I'm no scientist, but let's be real. Men are men and women are women. Okay. At some point, I think pull the brakes on that. I just want to see, I don't think women should be playing in the NFL. I do not. I, we have our own league. We have our own league. So what I, what I would love to see happen is for the NFL to embrace women's pro football league 
which means I want them to embrace the WFLA as their period counterpart, period. We are, we are your equal. I want you guys to start treating us as such because we deserve it. So no, women should not be playing in the NFL. We have our own league. And I just want, I want the NFL the commissioner. I want Roger Goodell. Roger, you know, I love you. I love you, Roger, but you got to start supporting women in football a lot more. I was going to say a little bit more, but no, a lot more, Roger. Lastly, and I've been asking all of my guests that come on this podcast, what is your hope for the, <laughs> I cannot talk today. <laughs> what is your hope for the future for women in sports? My hope for women, for my hope for the future of women in sports is that one day we will not be a story just because we're women. It will be commonplace. My hope for the future of women in sports is that we will be equal in the eyes of the majority or the rest of the world. Um, I see women doing it for themselves and not taking no for an answer from anybody anymore. I will, I personally want to see more women succeed and settle in roles that are unconventional and unorthodox to us. Um, and it won't be a huge story. I think I said that in one of my very first interviews back when the Daily News, when somebody, my former coach, by the way, leaked my information from the Jets to his friend at the Daily News. Anyway, I remember I was asked that question, you know, and I said, I'm hoping one day this, this, will, this will not have to be a story just because I'm a woman. Are you guys interviewing men that are new coaches, unless they're a head coach for an NFL team? You're not interviewing the defensive backs coach for the Seattle Seahawks. Come on. But if there was a woman, you would, you know, because it's so uncommon. Well, I want it to be common. There's no rah-rah for us women in football. There will be. You watch. You watch, because we're coming. <laughs> Colette, what a great note to end this conversation on. Such powerful words. And like I said at the top of this episode, I am so thankful you took the time to come on Equal Play. And I'm so grateful that we had this conversation to really elaborate on some of the struggles that women face in football and hopefully the change that is coming.